You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Coming up on episode 241 of Wheel Bearings, we got the GMC Canyon AT4, the Audi RS e-tron GT, the Porsche Taycan Cross Turismo, the Rolls-Royce Spectre, Honda extends its CPO program to 10-year-old cars, the Toyota Corolla GR, it's a, it increases uh, corporate average fuel economy standards, and a whole bunch of questions from listeners. All that and more coming up next. Did you know you can support Wheel Bearings directly? Head to patreon.com slash wheelbearingsmedia and you can become a patron today. Your contributions will help fund the platforms and tools we use to bring the podcast to you. And exclusives and improvements are already on the way thanks to your generosity. So if you want to be part of an automotive podcast like no other, head to patreon.com slash wheelbearingsmedia. This is episode 240 of Wheel Bearings. I'm Sam Abul Samet from Guidehouse Insights. I am Roberto Baldwin from Forbes Wheels. And uh, unfortunately, Nicole could not be with us tonight because she is uh, looking after her mom who had to go into the ER uh, this morning. So uh, hopefully, uh, her mom's going to be okay. Um, and then, <laughs> unfortunately, the next several days, she'll be traveling as well. So uh, that's why we couldn't reschedule. Yeah, so it's it's just the it's just the the boring dudes. Yep. All right. So uh, you were driving to something. We were both um, driving EVs this week, but I'm not going to talk about mine until next time. But you had uh, some interesting stuff that you were driving this week. I there was well, I did drive the Hummer uh, EV, but I can't talk about it. So yeah, well, we got, uh, we, we've got, we've got a whole bunch of stuff that's still embargoed for another yeah. couple of weeks. So we'll, we'll, we'll talk about that later. But uh, <clears throat> what I was driving that I can talk about is the RS e-tron GT. This is the e-tron GT performance because the e-tron GT apparently just wasn't fast enough for, <laughs> for out. And I'm like, you know what? Let's make it an RS. Let's make it bonkers. And that's what it is. <laughs> <laughs> well, that is what RS Audis are supposed to be is bonkers, that's, right? That, that is exactly what they're supposed to be. Um, so it's using the same um, architecture that is the uh, Porsche Taycan. And when you have the regular Porsche Taycan, you have the regular e-tron GT, the Porsche is it's, it's tuned a bit more aggressively. It's a, you know, it's a Porsche. 
Audi's attuned a bit more. Um, it's still, you know, a sports sedan, but it's not as aggressive as the Porsche. That said, the RS e-tron GT is tuned more aggressively than, the, yeah. So you have this like really weird, like what, where does this fit within the, the Volkswagen group uh, uh, level of, of powerful EVs? And um, I still think there is, uh, and, and you'll, I also drove a Taycan this week. <laughs> <laughs> so there is a, a, a bit more refinement for the e-tron, the RS e-tron GT. Uh, over the uh, the Porsche Taycan. In so, what way? It just feels more luxury brand, whereas Porsche always feels very performance brand. And that's that's you still even though it's it's very quick, it still feels uh, you know it's it's still gonna pamper you when you when you get inside. The seats are still comfortable. You still get all the you know the Audi accoutrements. Um, and so yeah, it's it feels. Again, it's it's really fast. It handles great, but there's just that little bit of 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 Porsche like hardness that it is missing. Um, and I think for most people, I think most people who who want something fast but really want to be pampered, that's where the RS e-tron GT comes in. Um, it is uh, again, I'll, it, it's quick. Um, it has. 590 horsepower, but when you put it in boost mode, it's 637 horsepower. <laughs> and it has 612 pound-feet of torque, which means no matter what you do, no matter how fast you're going, you just tap slightly on the accelerator, and it'll it'll push you back into your seat. I gave my neighbor a ride in it. Um, he, he, he's a car guy. He's like, yeah. And I'm like, I'm like well, we'll feel this. And he's like, ah. I'm like, that is maybe 10% of me pushing down on the accelerator. <laughs> <laughs> so it is, yeah, it is, it is very A little quick. dabble do you. A little dabble do you. I think and it's a little dabble do most anyone. Yeah, it does have a launch, you know, boost mode. It does have launch control. I tried it out. It is, uh, it is, is ridiculous. It's quick. Um, again, these, these launch controls on these, these super quick EVs, they're... They're really great for just showing off to your friend and then maybe never using it again. Um, but where this thing, it, it really shines is, you know, I took it, uh, did some, some back roads driving, um, some twisties, and it was, it, it felt very, very nice, very smooth. Um, I, I do wish that there was a bit more feedback um, to the steering. Uh, the, feed, the steering feedback's a little, eh, uh, not that great. Still, it feels a little bit uh, video gamey. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know that said, it's 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 still a, a hoot behind the wheel. It has that uh, two-speed um, transmission that Porsche has on the Taycan, but only on the really, rear axle, right? But only on the rear axle, which is really fun because when you get in an EV, it's just go. That's it. You don't have any sort of like ugh. And when you throw this thing in boost mode and you take off, you can feel the you can feel the the gear shifting. And that I don't know for some reason that just kind of feels fun because they're like yeah. Uh, so the low end is for torque. The high end is to help you. You know, it's it's for you know going at high speeds. It's like your overdrive mm-hmm. um, in your in your uh, in your regular car, your fifth gear, sixth gear, whatever <laughs> gear you yeah, have. Keep, keep, keeps the rear motor in, in more in, it, in the peak of its efficiency range, while still giving you all the torque you want. 
Exactly, exactly. And you know, so the Audi, it is Audi. Audi's the sort of the, the, the tech wunderkinds of the Volkswagen group. So a lot of tech sort of shows up on there. MMI, you know, it's it's a you know it's it's a it's a nice system because there's you don't have to dig to get to things. You know, it's like one or two clicks. You know, you're not going into a bunch of deep menus in order to to make adjustments, uh, which is always nice. Um, this one has you know the it had the stoplight countdown, which when when it was launched only worked in like Washington D.C. and Las Vegas. Uh, now it, apparently it works around the Bay Area, so that's great. So you, you, what happens is you come to a stoplight, and then on the in the dash cluster at the very bottom you see a little picture of the stoplight has the red light, and then there's a countdown, like 40 seconds, 49 seconds, 40 whatever, which is great when you let's say you have kids and you need to turn around and yell at them, or you like me you've you, for some reason, you keep putting your phone on the passenger seat, and then it just goes sliding off, and then you have to find it. <laughs> <laughs> and because I'm like, well, I'm not going to look for it now. I'm driving, um, so I have to. So I come to the stoplight, and then I'm just like rooting around looking for this uh, for this lost uh, cell phone that has gone, you know, wherever. Um, it, it, yeah, it's it's actually quite nice uh, that that countdown thing. Um, yeah, that's something they they started. Um, they they use the uh, the LTE connectivity in the car to get data from the local traffic signal management systems, and I think currently it works in about eighteen or nineteen different cities around the country. Um, and like around here, I've found that it works at some intersections, but not at others. Uh, it, yeah, it seems to be very hit and miss. It's very hit or miss, but when you find it, you're like, oh, it's kind of yeah. So it's nice that it's that it's rolling out because I think it'll, um, if it's rolling out to more cities, because there, I mean, there's a good chance they would make this would come out and it would only be it would only be available in Las Vegas and Washington D.C. and that would be it. And they were like, oh, whatever. But apparently, it's 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 expanding, which means that this technology will make its way into other Volkswagen Group vehicles, but also into other vehicles overall. Other mm-hmm. automakers are going to be like, well, people like to know how long they're stuck at a stoplight. It's- well, one, one of the other cool features of that that they added uh, more recently is um, kind of the suggested speed um, Yeah, it looks like 35 miles an hour to get to the green. I'm like, oh, this is yeah, great. So if, <laughs> they'll, they'll tell you, you know, if you drive at this speed – You'll hit the net, you'll you'll keep hitting green lights, you know. So they'll tell you the the right speed, so you don't have to keep stopping all the time. Yeah, the time lights, uh, it, it that that's outstanding. There's a lot of time lights in San Francisco, and you sort of just learn like how fast you're supposed to go. And it's always fun to see people who are doing like 45 when the time lights are 35, and they rush to the next red light, and then you just cruise by them. <laughs> the light turns green, <laughs> then they rush to the next light, and you cruise by them. This makes it so you don't have to be a local in order to figure this out. You don't have to, like, oh, I've lived here for five years, and now I know what all the time lights are in my city. You can sort of, like, oh, oh, if I just do 35 instead of, you know, accelerating to 45 or 50 to get to the next light, I won't have to stop. And that's, uh, to be be honest, that's that's just a better uh, driving experience. Um, Let's Oh, so it's it's what's nice is it's built on an 800 volt architecture as uh, charging up to 270 kilowatts. I got it to 264, 267. I don't know. I put it on I put it on Twitter. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But I got yeah yeah I went to Electrify America. It, it charged as fast as it's supposed to. 
Um, and that was very nice because sometimes you go to a charging station and you have a 150 or a 50 or 200 or a 270 and it charges at like a quarter of the speed and you're just like, boo, why did I get an 800 volt system if this isn't going to happen? Um, the uh, battery pack, 93 kilowatt hours uh, of that, 84 kilowatt hours is usable. Um, I have not made the, uh, I have not done the math to tell you what the uh, what the range is uh, on my drive, but uh, the RS e-tron GT the uh, went from that uh, 84 kilowatts of battery capacity that you're allowed to use. It'll do 232 miles according to the EPA. And I'm just going to tell you, um, I haven't even done the math, and I can guarantee you it beat that. Because yeah, well, mo- the, most, most of the, the measured uh, evaluations that have been done by some other outlets with both the e-tron and the Tycon have consistently showed that they do significantly better than their EPA ratings. Yeah, yeah, no, it's it is uh, it is impressive. It, it was really weird when um, you know what I'll talk about this when we, when I talk about the Tycon in about two seconds. Um, so yeah, I, I am I am I can almost guarantee you it it beat this uh, this rating just because by yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, yeah, so the RS uh, Etron GT, it is quick. It charges quick. Um, the the range that the EPA has is uh, is 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 well under what you'll what you'll likely get, um, unless you're driving like a, a maniac nonstop, and even then you might just still get over you you'll likely still get over 200 miles. Uh, the Volkswagen Group, um, on, as a whole, seems to be uh, making sure that their vehicles do better than the EPA. Um, the adjustment factors that they are using are uh, different from what Tesla is using, which is why when people test Teslas, the Tesla usually underperforms while Volkswagen Group vehicles overperform. It's a whole thing. There's an actually there's actually a really good um, article on Car and Driver about the uh, the entire system. So, um, and then I drove another a vehicle based on the exact same. Uh, platform the porsche tycon cross turismo 4 or Ooh. turismo not turismo <laughs> the, let me start that over the porsche tycon cross turismo 4 there we go the wagon the best car in the world is a wagon um wagons are great um you should all buy more wagons. <laughs> uh, that said, this thing is is outstanding. It's quick. It's solid. It handles better than you would anticipate for a large wagon. Um, it has. Uh, what's weird is that the uh, the e-tron Audi has dual displays, and the R and the e-tron GT. There's no. There's only a single display. Meanwhile, in the Porsche, there is dual displays. The display. On the bottom, uh, takes care of your climate controls. It's also a touchpad that you can use to sort of move things around. On the top display, you can also write things in there. You know, finger with uh, you know handwriting. Um, it's it's a weird weird decision, um, considering one you know one part of the Volkswagen Group is the part that came up with this, and the second part is the part of the Volkswagen Group is like, oh, that that seems like a good idea. But the first part is like, ah, eh, we're not going to do that. <laughs> So um, yeah, I mean, I'm a I'm a fan of, uh, of 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 actual buttons when it comes to climate control, but yeah, it worked. It's fine. You know, you can up, up, down, 
you know, I, I was able to write like an address and it did a really good job, uh, just, you know, figuring out what my hor- horrible chicken scratch is. So <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's, it's fine. Um, it, it has a normal mode as sport mode. Um, it's really easy to put in sport mode. It's just a button on that uh, bottom display. What's weird is that there's like an eco mode and a gravel mode, and you actually have to go into the to the uh, infotainment system and go to the vehicle setting for modes to 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 turn those on. So I guess they're assuming you're not going to turn those on very often. Uh, the gravel mode is nice because it lifts the vehicle up. You can drive on gravel, which you shouldn't do in any other Porsche that's not an SUV. And yet I'm driving around in a wagon and it lifts it up. And what's also cool is that if you keep lifting up the vehicle, like I kept lifting it to uh, put it in my driveway, um, it learns. It figures out, hey, hey, you know what? So it tracks you where, where, you're, where you are. And if you keep doing it at the same location, it'll... Yep. It'll, it lifts. It auto, it auto lifts. It does auto... Uh, lifts um as i'm pulling up to my house which is kind of nice which i to, to be honest i probably didn't have to do to pull into my driveway um but it's always nice when i don't have to like drive really slow to get you know to get over a little hump to put uh a, any sort of sports car in my driveway so that's great um it, you can get roof rails and a bike rack for this it uh <laughs> like which is, you know, it's a wagon, so it's really like the outdoorsy. It's a lifestyle region. vehicle. It's, it's a lifestyle. It's a lifestyle vehicle. It's a wagon. It's a wagon, and Americans people won't be... buy wagons. They buy, buy lifestyle vehicles. Oh, Americans should be proud to drive wagons. That's I, that's, I agree. That's the whole. That's the. If it's good enough for the Griswolds, it's good enough for you. That's my. Yeah. <laughs> um, I, you know, we've it has two speed. Um, the two-speed transmission again. You know, talked about it with the e-tron, uh, with the RS e-tron GT. Um, it's great. It has a launch control. It's uh, you know the zero to sixty is four point eight seconds. It's not you know crazy, but it's it's still a wagon. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, there's lots. Of, you know, I could sit in the in the back seats, which is nice. Um, it also supports DC fast charging up to two hundred and seventy kilowatts. I took it to the same EEA station. It peaked at like two hundred something, and then and again, this is more. I mean, it's the same. You know, I on both vehicles, I prepped the um, the battery by setting the charge station within the um, navigation. And so when you do that, the vehicle starts, you know, warming up the battery, so it'll charge quicker. Um, again, anytime once you do all that, if you're, it's again the same ar- uh, <laughs> architecture, same platform. Um, it's really on EA at that point um, that it's not doing it. So when you do that, do you um, do you just set uh, a charger as your destination? Then it knows, okay, I'm I'm going to a charger, and then it'll automatically start doing that preconditioning uh, as you approach that destination. Yeah, yeah, you can okay. you can while you're looking in the navigation, there's you know there's there's locations that you've been to, there's locations you can search, and then there's just a button that shows like a picture of the little you know the gas the fueling station you click that for chargers and it shows you all the chargers mm-hmm. and you can use the uh, porsche app which i actually also used and with the porsche app um you can see the max uh kilowatts for each charge station that you're looking for in the area um or location and i know this because i have to go over the bridge for this other to get 350 as opposed to staying on my side of the bay um and so I just click on that, and then I sent it to the vehicle, and then I got in the vehicle, and I hit navigation to search, and it's like, hey, here's the thing, the place you want to go. 
And so, yeah, so it knows that you're going to a charging station. If you don't tell it, if you just, like, use Apple CarPlay in order to go to a charge station, it's, it, you know, it has to warm up so it won't, it won't um, be ready to uh, take in all those electrons as quickly as it, as it could. Um, as a 93.4 kilowatt hour capacity battery, 83.7 is usable. usable um, and... Where is my, where is it? Okay, so the EPA is 215. It's lower. It's a little bit heavier, you know. My test, 262. <laughs> That's okay. <laughs> I wouldn't complain about that. 262. And this is, I mean, the, the way I do my test is ex- it's the exact same route for every vehicle. There are some deviations, um, but those deviations don't really make a difference because, because it's mostly... Um, at that point, I'm driving on surface roads in um, in the suburbs. Like the one of these vehicles, there was like a police presence thing where they blocked all the roads <laughs> for like a three block radius. So I was like, I guess I'm going this way. But the loop is it's a 100 miles. 50% of it or 50 miles of it is on the freeway with the uh, cruise control set at 70 miles an hour. And of course, you know, a few times it'll sort of slow down because of traffic. But for the most part, I do these in the middle of the day. There's very little traffic. I'm actually going the opposite of traffic that if there were traffic because I'm going away from San Francisco and Oakland um, on this. And then on the way back, I drive um, mountain roads, twisty mountain roads, and then I also drive uh, suburban roads. And that's about, uh, let's say, let's see, it's 50 miles, 20 miles like mountain roads, and then like 30 miles suburban roads. So the second part of the drive takes forever. Well, the first part is just like, oh, it's 50 miles, 50 minutes, or less than that. Um, and, yeah, with this uh, 262 miles, it's, it's, it's uh, yeah, it's, it, I, was, I, I kept checking my math because I didn't, I wasn't quite sure. <laughs> um, but, yeah, again, you know, the Volkswagen Group is, is very much, they, you know, they want to make sure that they're beating that number. So they're going with the lower EPA number. and. You know, I mean, I can't understand what reason Volkswagen would have to want to look cleaner than they actually are. No, I mean, they've, <laughs> they've never done anything that would ever cause anybody to doubt, you know, what they're doing. Exactly. Right? <laughs> they've never done anything like that. Like, they've, they've, never, they've never sold, you know, vehicles with diesel engines that maybe, you know, pollute more than they're supposed to or, you know, done anything like that. Yeah. <laughs> So, yeah. So, this is the 4. It wasn't the 4S. It wasn't the Turbo 4S. Um, it has 375 horsepower, 469 horsepower with launch control. Uh, put in launch control. Drove. went really fast. It was really fun. Uh, 368 pound-feet of torque, uh, which is it, – it's, it is a quick vehicle. It's still a Porsche. It does feel – even though it's not the – you know, the RS e-tron GT is a faster vehicle, this one felt tighter. It still has that Porsche um, – suspension tuning that you expect and on one of my you know so i i have like different routes that i do and one of them is the performance driving route and it's these roads out to the beach and back in the middle of the day again no one's around um and on this one a uh a ferrari was behind me and i kept up with the ferrari and then we pulled over and the gentleman was very like whoa and of course i drive a lot so I'm better than the average driver. I'm not the fa- I'm definitely not the fastest journalist um, out there. I'm far from that. But like the regular driver, you know, I. And uh, so the, he was very impressed, and he actually, 
the person told me that they had a, a rear-wheel drive sedan Taycan um, on order that they were waiting for. So he was, I think he was very excited to see how well the uh, it uh, it does. Um, let's see, what else? 800 volt system. Yeah, it's a wagon, so you can put lots of stuff in the back. I stuck a TV in the back of it that I had to take a <laughs> take to my <laughs> take to my uh, my uh, my band's uh, practice space. Um, yeah, I, I really, really, really like this vehicle. Um, you know, it's got plug and charge. Uh, there's there's chargers on each side of the ve- there's charge ports on each side of the vehicle for AC charging. The uh, DC fast charging is only on the passenger side. But, like, however you park, if you park at home, like, you don't have to, like, oh, no, let me hold on, i got to turn around. Let's just plug it on either side. Do what you want. Um, with um, with the, the, the wagon-style roof line on it, does it have more headroom in the back seat than the, uh, the standard? Yeah, yeah I think it has more headroom in the back seat than the standard. I haven't been in the standard in, like, a year and a half. Well, how long ago was that? Two years? Oh, my gosh. I can't remember. It's, you know. I got. I still got like you know. I don't understand how time works because of COVID, yeah. The, the lockdown, but yeah, it has, it has, uh, it has more more headroom in the back because uh, with with that, uh, with that with that roof line, and yeah, it's just if I if you're if you're rich and you need a family vehicle and you just don't want to look like absolutely everyone else on the road, which everyone else on the road has an SUV. Every time someone like, well, SUVs are cool. I'm like, no, they're not. <laughs> They're basic. I'm sorry. They are. They're just it's 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 what your mom is driving. It's what your cousin's driving. Everyone has an SUV for reasons, and I understand the reasons. As you get older, it's it's a great to have an SUV. It's easier to get in and out of. You can put your stuff in the back. But, well, I would say that's true for you know crossovers, but not like you know true SUVs that actually sit up higher. Oh, the big giant ones, which no one, yeah, yeah which those people buy those and they just keep them clean forever. Yeah, I'm telling you that wagon was great. The gravel mode's great. Um, you're gonna have a, it, it's a hoot to drive. Let me tell. And and if you want something you know like this that is you know just a little bit taller, you know it is going to be a little easier to get in and out of. Porsche also offers the Taycan Cross Turismo, which is the same thing as the Sport Turismo, but with you know a little bit of extra ride height and some that's what i had i didn't flat. have the sport turismo I had oh the you had the cross turismo okay yeah i don't have the sport I, i'm not that lucky <laughs> okay yeah i mean the sport tur- the sport turismo sits at the same height as the the sedan the, yeah and yeah the cross turismo is just a, a wee bit taller it's yeah it's and it, this is the four it's not even the fast one yeah it's not the 4s it's not the, you know it's not the sport turismo and it is it is no, it's it's really nice, and the starting price is ninety thousand one hundred dollars. Delivery thirteen fifty. Um, I don't have the Monroni for this vehicle. Um, sometimes I just don't get them. But bomp, but, bomp. It, but in, in in classic you know Porsche fashion, you know, uh, injudicious use of the options list can inflate that that uh, starting price very very rapidly. Yeah, yeah. If you start throwing things on there, it's gonna it's it's gonna it's gonna get. Like yeah, it's <laughs> <laughs> it can it can get ugly very quickly. Yes, exactly. It can get ugly very very quickly or beautiful. You know, however, you know, it depends on your your bank account. Yeah. Um. Well, I, I guess yeah, that's true. Um. Okay. Um. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. I had something uh, a little bit different from that. Um, I had the uh, 2022 GMC Canyon AT4. Um, the Canyon is the sibling to uh, the Chevy Colorado. They're, these are GM's midsize pickup trucks. They compete with the likes of the Ford Ranger, um, sort of the Honda Ridgeline, and and uh, and a few others. Um, the Canyon's getting a little long in the tooth. Yeah, it's it's been around for a while uh in its current form the at4 is the sort of off-road uh all-terrain type um model hence at um four-wheel drive it's not the you know the the maximum you know high-end version um which i think it let's see is it the bison is the the canyon version Chev, chevy's got the zr2 and i think the canyon they have the bison trim which is Got the the fancy multimatic shocks on there with the uh, remote reservoirs, or, or uh, it's not the remote reservoirs, or is it? Uh, anyway, it doesn't matter. I didn't have that one. You didn't I, have the bison, I, which is I a had, weird, which is a weird animal to choose because it's essentially just a really fuzzy, uh, like cow. But okay. yeah, with with kind of a hunchback to it. But yeah. at, at any rate, the uh, the AT4, you know, sits up higher, um, has you know big knobbly tires on it. Um, the, you can get it with a 2.5 liter four cylinder engine. Um, mine had the 3.6 liter V6 engine with an eight speed automatic transmission. And, um, let's just say, uh, this thing's not very fuel efficient in this form. <laughs> um, so, 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 so I like, it says plug and charge, you get free charging at electrify America. It wasn't set up on the e-tron GT, but when I filled it, it was like $23. So tell me how much it was to fill your, um, <laughs> or at least it, guess. It would, let's see. If I think if I had uh, if I had, had if I put a full tank in here, uh, I think it would be about uh, let's see four uh, twenty times four about eighty or ninety dollars for a so full tank. More. <laughs> yes, quite a bit more. <laughs> and you would have to do it quite a bit more frequently. Um, it's this thing is EPA rated at seventeen city. Uh, 24 highway, 19 combined. Um, I drove it around. Most of my driving was actually highway driving. I did do some around town driving, but even with mostly highway driving, this thing only got about 16 and a half miles per gallon, which for a midsize truck is really mediocre. Uh, Granted, it was cold when I got it. You know, I I returned home from somewhere um, uh, on a uh, red eye flight i think 
And See, that's why you don't I, remember. It's red eye. It's okay. Yeah. You returned from a plane. No, actually, it wasn't. It was not. It, it, that was that was the second time I came back while I had it. When I first picked it up, I came. I got back in the afternoon, and uh, it was still about 19 degrees out. So mm. it was cold. So I would expect it to be, you know, lower fuel economy. But still, 16, 17 miles per gallon, you know, in a midsize truck, is <sighs> really kind of disappointing. Um, the the other thing that really disappointed me about this thing uh, was the seats. Um, the seats were really quite uncomfortable, um, not very supportive. The, the lower seat cushions uh, were short. Um, there was very almost no lateral support. Um, they just, did, I, you know, there was, there's an inflatable lumbar support, but I couldn't really get it into a good position where it felt good for my back. Um, it just, it was not a comfortable seat to sit in for any length of time. Um, and the rear seats, you know, this was a crew cab version, um, with the uh, short bed, the rear seats, um, also don't have a whole lot of leg room. You know, it's, it, it seems like this one is shorter than the, uh, than the Ranger. The Ranger mm-hmm. rear seats have, have a little bit, I think, feel like they're a little bit more spacious than on the Canyon in Colorado. Um, that said... You know, um, a lot of the other stuff about this thing is actually pretty decent. You know, it's a it's a good looking truck, even though it's been around on the market for a few years. It got a it got a mid cycle update a couple of years ago. Um, the one I had was in cayenne red tint coat um, with a, a jet black interior. Um, it had the older version of GM's infotainment system on an eight inch screen. The the the, the center touch screen is kind of. It's embedded in the center console, and it's set back kind of deep, so it's not really flush-mounted, which uh, if you're trying to hit the stuff uh, you know, towards the bottom of the screen is, is a little awkward sometimes getting your finger in there to hit the touch targets you know, for things on the bottom. Um, but you know, the system works fine. It's got support for Android Auto and Apple CarPlay, although not wireless, um, and it had uh, navigation in there. There's um, As part of the AT4 package, you get a two-speed uh, transfer case with uh, four, uh, four-wheel drive low as well as four-wheel drive high for, for off-roading. Uh, it does have the off-road suspension package. Like I said, not as sophisticated as the Bison or ZR2, uh, but you know, it's still a, a pretty decent package. Um, this one didn't have adaptive cruise control um, or many of the, uh, the other driver assist features, uh, which are available but extra cost options on the, uh, on the Canyon. Um, and base price on a on a two wheel drive extended cab canyon uh, starts around twenty seven thousand, uh, but this one that I drove um, came out to a grand total of forty six thousand seven hundred dollars. Oh my god! Yeah, so going for going for the off road stuff really cranks up the price. Uh, like the the base price of the AT four is forty thousand two hundred, um, and you know then the options that were on this thing. Um, you know, the AT4 off-road performance edition package added $3,200. Um, the gloss black or wheels, uh, or the, the infotainment with navigation was another thousand bucks. And there's a few other things that, that really jacked the price up. Um, for this price, you know, I think generally the interior of this one does feel more premium than the Ranger. Um, I haven't I haven't seen the new Ranger, the next generation Ranger in person yet, uh, but the previous gen Ranger, um, you know, the, it's you know hard plastics. It 
um, when I've had one before, I had a Lariat one time a couple of years ago that uh, was $43,000, and it does not feel like a $43,000 vehicle. This one, you know, the, the materials and the fit and finish, you know, feel more like, you know, a $40,000-plus vehicle. Uh, but the, my, my big complaint really is the seats, which really were not, not good. Um, and, you know, I mean, as, as we always say, you know, if you're going to buy something, make sure you sit in it, drive it first, uh, because everybody's body's different. I'm sure there are people out there for whom these seats will feel great. Um, I'm not one of them. Uh, but, uh, if, if you're, you know, if you're interested in this, you know, make sure you go check it out. Um, it's, it's got, uh, let's see, what is the towing capability? It's got decent towing capabilities and payload. You can also get this, um, with a 2.8 liter, um, I four cylinder turbo diesel. Um, GM still is selling diesel engines in their, in their light trucks, uh, which is handy. Um, let's see. Payload. Max payload uh, is about uh, 1,400 pounds uh, with the, uh, the crew cab and the short box um, and, uh, and four-wheel drive. Uh, trailering, you can tow up to 7,000 pounds uh, with this thing. Uh, actually, depending on how it's configured, uh, you can, uh, with the diesel, you can actually get 7,700 pounds. So V6 is 7,000 pounds. The diesel is 7,700 pounds. Um, so, you know, you can actually use this thing as a truck. Mm-hmm. Um, the bed, like I said, the bed's a little on the short side. It's only five foot, two inches long. You can also get it with a six foot, two inch box. Um, if you, if you need more, uh, space for stuff. Uh, but, um, it's, uh, yeah, you know, it's, it's a, it's a pricey off-road truck. Now, granted 47 grand for, for this, um, compared to a Jeep Gladiator, you know, if you want an off-road mid-sized pickup truck you know gladiator can easily cost you a lot more than this um especially if you go for something like the mojave um so you know from a value standpoint compared to the competition it's actually not that bad so that's the 2022 gmc canyon at4 if you just get a cheap jeep you can get it for like 37 but good luck figuring that how that's <laughs> yeah <laughs> Yeah, I don't. I don't know if you can actually buy one of those. I think those are. I think those are a theoretical thing. They it's list like them on the building price, but it's kind of like buying a ninety thousand dollar Taycan. I don't think mm-hmm. you can actually do it. You could, but it'll sink in the ocean. <laughs> oh, that's it. Of course, that's where it goes. They're like, ah, yeah. oh, sorry, it's a thirty-five thousand uh, dollar. The ship. Tesla. The ship catches fire and it sinks in the bottom of the Atlantic. They're like, sorry. <laughs> All right, uh, let's go through a few stories of the week. Um, oh, before we do that, um, the, the car I'm going to talk about next week is the, uh, the Mini Cooper SE um, electric. But, um, and I'll talk about that one next time. But I took it to my local Electrify America station this afternoon after I took it for a drive to, to do some uh, range evaluation. <clears throat> and uh, the, my local station here has six bays. And at most, I've only ever seen one other vehicle using it at a time. And I was shocked today when I got there, and there were three other EVs all plugged in there, which was, which was really impressive. Um, there was, um, there was a, a Kia Nero EV, which I don't think, other than a press car, I don't think I've ever seen one around here before. Um, there was also uh, a VW ID4. Uh, and there was a Mustang Mach-E, which was from the Ford Charge Angels team. Um, back last October, 
um, after driving the uh, the Mach-E GT. I, uh, in that the episode after that, I had an interview with uh, Darren Palmer where he talked about the Charge Angels stuff. Um, and this is a program that Ford started doing after they launched the Mach-E last year, and they were getting a lot of complaints from customers about being guided to stations where the chargers weren't working. And so what they did was they set up this team, and they also did a software update to the, the cars so that um, whenever an owner plugs in uh, their, their Ford EV um, and connects, if it doesn't start a charging station without some kind of error, or a charging session without an error, it will gather all the data and send it back to Ford. And then Ford will actually take that charger off of their, um, out of their Ford Pass app database. So it, for other owners, it won't guide them to that charger until it's been fixed. And they also have the, the Charge Angels team that actually goes around and physically evaluates and tests all the chargers. Um, they've got a team uh, around here that's based out of Dearborn uh, of about five or six um, teams that, that go out um, all over Michigan and the surrounding states. Um, and um, they happen to be at mine. They were going through each one of the bays this afternoon, checking them all to see how see if they charge correctly, how fast they charge. Um, and turns out one of the one of the chargers, which I was actually at a couple of days ago as well, uh, was not working then and it still wasn't working today and they were aware of that and had notified ea to get that fixed so um good on ford for for doing the uh, the charge angels program it's a it's a real thing yeah yeah i i think most people what happens is they go to a charge you know they go to the location they plug in a charger doesn't work they just go to the next one yeah. they just keep going down the line until they get one that works and then that's it um, sometimes I'll just I'll, I'll open up the EA app and I'm like wrong this one's wrong yeah. <laughs> I'll report a problem but that's because you know I'm I'm a nerd I think most people just want to get their car like charged and I think this is great that Ford's doing this kind of because they kind of yeah, hold, they're, it they're holds doing it EA and EVgo and and ChargePoint all the charging companies kind of holds them to account yep if and that's you know. that's what they need to do because yeah yeah there's, there's that's that's where the the, the the, the dream of the EV is sort of falling short stills. When you go to a charging station, you're just like, oh, I just can't fill it up like I do my car. I have to, you know, f- fiddle with all this weirdness. And, then, oh, this one doesn't work. Let me go to the next one. And then, some, you know, there's always people there, and they're like, oh, that one doesn't work. Don't use that one. Go to this one. Yeah. All right. Um, speaking of more EVs, um, there's a, a new one coming out next year that uh, most of us will probably never get to own. Uh, or drive, um, and uh, it's from a brand that's n- never done a production EV before. It's uh, the Rolls-Royce Spectre, and Rolls released uh, some video footage of it testing in northern Sweden earlier this week. Um, what do you think of the Spectre? I mean, I think I mean, the, the EVs and, and luxury just seems to go hand in hand as far as I'm concerned, just because you're removing uh, – there's a lot of stuff that happens uh, that I think most people don't realize when – these luxury brands are building gas vehicles they you know they're 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 trying to to they have subframes that they're trying to so you have a frame within a frame in order to reduce the vibration from the motor you know you're 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 putting all this this uh sound insulation so you can't hear the motor while you're driving around in your fancy car and you know all the stuff that they're doing in order to make the interior of these luxury vehicles um 
you don't have to do as much when you have an EV. <laughs> well, and, and Rolls-Royce, you know, like right from the very beginning of the company over 100 years ago, you know, it's always been about, you know, this quiet, silent drive. I mean, that's, that's why Rolls-Royce cars have names like Phantom and Shadow and Ghost and now Spectre, you know. Yeah, they they want to give that impression of quietness and smoothness. And it yeah. seems like a, an electric powertrain and a Rolls Royce, you couldn't find a better fit. Yeah, yeah. And I also like the fact that they have a they have a thesaurus of all the ghosts in the world. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, no, it's. I think you know. I think people are going to be very, uh, very happy with this. And you know, a lot of Rolls Royces are, are well for for. For decades, it was essentially you bought a Rolls Royce and you had somebody else drive you. Um, now they're sort of like realizing, like, oh, some of these people actually want to drive these vehicles, and then they drag their friends around, or they, I don't know, make their friend drive them around. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I think most owners of Phantoms probably don't drive them. They, they they have somebody who drives them around. But you know, cars like the the shot, the Ghost, and the the Don the Don was the ghost the the coupe version of the ghost I think yeah yeah I've driven the like ghost that. yeah uh, yeah and now you know the Spectre you know is you know it's a coupe um, which uh, you know looks like a, a a replacement for that um, and as I said this is coming next year it's probably it's most likely using a modified version of the new BMW seven series platform which is also going to be available as the i seven as, as an electric uh, sedan, so um, it's it's int- I mean, you know, it it looks like a modern Rolls Royce. Yeah, yeah. From, yeah. From what, I, even with the camo on it, you can tell it's a Rolls. Yeah, and having driven the i four uh, and the iX, uh, the the BMW Group's EVs are. Just, I just felt like there was there was this huge lull between the i three and the i eight, and then what's happening now. And during that sort of downtime, well, it wasn't downtime. They were working on stuff. But for, you know, vehicles being in the market sort of downtime, they've done a lot of work. And those vehicles, they drive so well. They're just, they, yeah. So I, I'm i assuming they, you know, they cushioned it up and made it fancy. So, yeah, uh, it'll be interesting to drive this. But I think uh, Rolls-Royce uh, customers will likely be very happy. Um, for those of us who can't afford Rolls-Royces. Um, Everyone. <laughs> yeah, uh, Honda and Acura are, are doing more to, to help you out as well. Um, they have expanded their certified pre-owned program. Traditionally, these these CPO programs um, from automakers, um, you know, this is where they they take used cars. It's mostly off-lease cars, or and, and in some cases trade-ins that um, are usually no more than three or four years old. They go through. They do a you know thorough cleaning, refurbishment. You know, replace. You know, up, up, you know, put in new brakes and you know, all the other stuff, and, and uh, make sure everything's working properly. And then they sell it with a warranty at usually a you know a premium over a, a comparable used example of the same car that hasn't gone through the CPO process. Mm-hmm. And in the past, they've usually been no more than three or four years old. Um, and it's you know it's been a nice option for somebody that you know can't quite swing a new car but they they still want to be able to get a warranty have the confidence of a warranty and and something that's nearly new that's still relatively yeah. fresh you don't bring and, it home and you realize you need brakes in five thousand miles yeah. yeah or uh or that uh you know the transmission was filled with sawdust to <laughs> keep the grinding sounds to at bay until you <laughs> until you got <laughs> outside of range of the uh the dealer you bought it from um 
Uh, now they've expanded their uh, CPO programs to include cars up to 10 years old. Um, and, you know, I think part of this is just, you know, to be able to, you know, get more cars into the program. You know, part, one of the things with, with the, the price premium that you pay for a CPO car is actually very profitable for both the automakers and the dealers that sell these things. You know, they, they, they have quite a bit higher margin than what, you know, what a regular used car would be. Um, and they, um, uh, yeah. So it's 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 been a you know they've they've liked doing these things you know, and it's a way for them to take especially the off lease cars and and move those out and you know get them off the books. Um, <clears throat> but now you know cars have gotten so um, durable over the last twenty twenty five years. You know the average age of cars on the road in the U.S. now is over twelve years old. Um, you know so they're taking ten year old cars. And doing the the CPO deal on them and selling them through Honda and Acura dealers. I mean, it makes sense. I mean, a Honda Acuras. I mean, those, it's they have a reputation for lasting forever, and it's it's a it's a, it's a well deserved reputation. I mean, you know, and, and if you're looking for, especially now where where just everything is too expensive, um, and you're like you're, you're sort of getting priced out of two and three year old cars. If you still, if you know, if you want a car seven years old, and but you also want to know that it's not going to break down as you pull off the lot. I mean, this is a nice, you know, you're 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 paying a premium for it that you wouldn't pay on Craigslist or Facebook Marketplace or from the guy down the street with the weird used car lot, which you should never buy cars from those places, by the way. <laughs> um, those are the car lot. Those are the cars that the uh, dealerships don't want. They sell, yeah, they sell them at auctions and those. They get picked up and then they sell them to you. And Unless you know the guy down the street, you know, if you know and, the and you guy, know the history of the car. Yeah, if you know the guy and you can get a get a Carfax. Any long story short, if you can get an older car that's been you know fancied up and cleaned up and 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 you know you're gonna feel less. Uh, you're not gonna have the anxiety of like, well, I bought a used car. Who knows what's gonna happen in t- in, in a year? Um, this is this is a nice little uh, a nice little option for you. Yeah, and and you get a hundred day, five thousand mile warranty on it. Um, complimentary oil changes for for twelve months. Um, roadside assistance, um, trip interruption, expense reimbursement, and concierge services. So yeah, it's almost like buying a new car, except that yeah. it's not. <laughs> it's not. So yeah. yeah, no, I think it's. I mean, it's it's good for the dealers because now they can they, they can get more inventory that that looks premium on their lot, and it's good for Honda because they can say, hey, look, our cars last a hundred years, and it's good for uh, it's good for you and me because uh, we can't afford new cars or even used cars. Yeah, <laughs> my I get, yeah my my how old is my car? What year is this? Twenty twenty two. Mine's thirty two years old now. My 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 BRZ is eight years old. Um, I can sell for more than what I bought it when I bought it. I bought it used like three years ago, but yeah, <laughs> that's just ridiculous. All right. Um, there is another new car that popped up this week. Um, at, uh, they, for, for those that attended the, uh, the Honda BRZ, the last wave of the Honda BRZ media drive in uh, San Diego, they got to go to an extra event. I was on the, the first wave on, on Monday uh, but uh, those like Nicole, who went later in the week, um, got to see uh, the new Toyota Corolla GR, um, which is the um, the latest hot hatch from Toyota. Um, and uh, this thing looks pretty slick. Um, 300 horsepower, all-wheel drive. 
Uh, it's a 1.6 liter three cylinder turbo. Um, so this this thing is screaming. Yeah, it's almost 200 horsepower per liter, um, which is a it's lot. 100 for, for horsepower a per cylinder. Yeah. Every cylinder gives you 100 horsepower. Every cylinder is more powerful than my 1990 Honda Civic. Yeah. This is this thing is based on technology from the Toyota Rally cars, um, and in uh, the press release here it says, "Born from rally racing and tested to meet the highest standards set by master driver Akio Toyota and professional Toyota Gazoo racing drivers." So, uh, uh, you know, I mean, Akio Toyota, the CEO of, of Toyota, um, you know, is a very skilled driver. You know, he has raced at, at Le Mans and elsewhere, and um, so you know, he personally evaluates most of these cars before they get signed off and uh uh let's see does it say how much they're going to charge for this thing um too much pricing you know, will be pr- announced later later, this, later year. this year yeah so it's uh, you know i mean this is kind of you know in the absence of a new sti from subaru um you know this is toyota's response saying eh, subaru is not going to build it we'll build our own <laughs> so uh, you know, it's got big flared fenders. Um, the the wing on the tail on the hatchback is not quite as crazy as a Civic Type R, um, and uh, with four wheel drive, you don't have to worry about torque steer either. Yep, no torque steer, manual six speed manual, uh, more powerful than the WRX, and the the, the power to weight ratio is going to be ridiculous. Um, and so the WRX starts at like thirty ish, so I'm guessing this will probably start about. Maybe if we're lucky, fingers crossed, you can get this thing for thirty-five. That would be nice. That would be um, nice. I, nice high I'm, hatch. What? I'm, I'm skeptical. I, I think it's probably going to be closer to forty. Oh yeah, it's going to be closer. But yeah. it'd be nice um, if it was starting. I mean, ba- based on yeah, I mean, based on the price of the last uh, Focus RS, you know, which started at thirty-five and went up from there, um, I'm guessing this will probably be closer to forty. And then you, it's going to have a fifteen. It's going to have a twenty thousand dollar markup and yeah. But, but but we can you drain. also get a triple exhaust though one for each yeah cylinder. one for each every cylinder gets its own exhaust every cylinder gets a hundred horsepower of its own it's it's yeah no all will all will drive big six speed it's like everything that you wanted out of the GR Yaris but we're not getting a GR Yaris so like hey here's a Corolla yeah well the Yaris is probably a little too small for the U S market so we're giving us this instead. Yeah, it's fine. It's fine. I would. I wouldn't complain. Yeah, we shouldn't complain. We we could have complained up until this point. Yeah, we can we can complain after we drive it. Yes. <laughs> I, I. You know what? The, they did such a the GR86 and the new GR86 and the BRZ are so great. I can't see how they can mess this up. Yeah. No. Based, I mean, they based can, on what but... I've based on what I've heard of the GR Yaris, um, this thing should be fantastic because it's it's a lot of the same components just in a slightly larger body. Yeah, yeah, I think they're they're. I mean, I, I'm I, again. We we can give Toyota, you know, we can hassle them about their slowness to the EV world, but they are giving us the uh, the fun cars that uh, have been missing from the from the market outside of the the WRX and the SDI for for quite a while. Yep. All right. Uh, last news item is uh, NHTSA, the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration, which is responsible for enforcing. Uh, fuel economy standards um, is uh, this week announced um, the new standards for 2024, 25, and 26, um, basically reversing the policy changes that were made under the 
prior administration in Washington, which rolled back fuel economy standards um, and um, actually going further than what had been originally proposed back under the Obama administration. Uh, so now um, this the the new standards um, by 2026 um, manufacturers will have to hit um, 47 miles per gallon uh, fleet average, uh, which that's based on the the old two cycle EPA tests. So real world mileage and label mileage will be closer to about 40 miles per gallon. Um, just as a as a point of reference. Um, this year, or let's see, 2020, um, I think the um, average for all manufacturers in the U.S. was about 28, 27, 27 or 28 miles per gallon. Um, and uh, the at the bottom of the list was Stellantis at a little bit shy of 21 miles per gallon, which mm-hmm. is why last week you know, we talked about the new engine, the new Hurricane engine that they're uh, launching, uh, their new 3-liter twin-turbo six-cylinder um, because even though there's not going to be m- many more new internal combustion engines, um, they still need to get more efficient. Um, and uh, so this is going to be a tough standard for uh, manufacturers to hit. They've got to increase uh, well, for 8%. some. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for some, they've, they've got they've got eight uh, percent annual increases in 2024 and 25, and 10 percent in model year 2026. Um, so. It's, uh, you know, I think the only way that they're really going to hit this is by selling a, a lot of electric vehicles, um, which most yeah. of them are planning to try and do, assuming they can build enough batteries. Yeah, no, I mean, and I, and I think people would probably be a lot angrier about this if they uh, weren't looking at the, uh, every time they fill up their, the tank, they had to take out another loan. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, if, if you weren't if you weren't looking at you know anywhere from four to six dollars or more a gallon for gas, you know they they'd probably be a little more pissed off. But uh, they're probably like, yeah. ah, then they're like, oh, y- you know, <laughs> why <laughs> can't they? Why can't they make these things more efficient? And I'm like, well, you know, they can. It's just easier not to, and now they, yeah. they kind of have to. Yeah. So meanwhile, my wife was unaware of the pricing, the 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 jump in pricing and gas prices. Because she hasn't. Oh, she's been to, driving the Kona. Because she's been driving, yeah, the Kona EV for six months, and so she didn't know until about a week ago. She's she's like drove by, so like, what the, what's going on? <laughs> just it's not, sort of. It's nice to be uh, blissfully ignorant of so- those sorts of things, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. She was just sort of like she knew everything was going on in the world, but you know, she didn't have the, the, that that real world. And she's like, I just drove by and I looked at it. It's like six what? <laughs> Okay, well, let's let's answer some questions. Um, the first one is actually one that came in last week, and uh, Adam J, uh, aka at Gifted Napper on Twitter, uh, I did not forget your question last week. I actually um, had it, uh, but I wanted to do a little research and get an answer for you first, <clears throat> which I did. I reached out to a few automakers and and got some responses on this. So the question Adam had was about: Can you explain why twelve volt batteries keep dying in EVs? Um, this happened to me 1,200. This happened 1,200 miles into mine, and it seems to be common in the new crop of crossovers. ID4, Mach-E, Ionic 5 have all had many reports of this. Why can't the 12 volt trickle charge from the giant battery pack if it's low? So, um, short answer is uh, they actually do while the vehicle's running. Um, they they do you know on on a on an internal combustion vehicle you've got an alternator that 
when the engine's running, um, it's driving the alternator, which is generating electricity, and that's providing electrical power for the vehicle systems, and it's also charging your battery, you know, which is only used for starting. Um, on an EV, um, you're, you've got a DC to DC converter that's stepping down from 400 or 800 volts, depending on what kind of system you've got in the car, and stepping that down to 12 volts to charge your battery. Um, the problem we've had with some v- some EVs is that the batteries are getting depleted. The 12-volt batteries are getting depleted. And the reason why they still have a 12-volt battery in there is to power those same systems that um, are in gas engine cars that mostly run on low voltage. They don't, you know, the only things that run on high voltage in an EV are the motors that drive the vehicle. Everything else runs at 12 or in some cases 5 volts. And so um, you, you still have this, this battery that, that needs to be trickle charged um, to power up those systems, uh, especially when you start up the car. So um, from one automaker, um, you know, I heard that uh, they, one of the things that they, they don't do is when the car is parked um, and, you know, and you turn it off, they, um, they don't keep charging the 12-volt battery. They actually open up the, uh, the high-voltage uh, contacts from the battery that go to the DC-to-DC converter uh, for safety reasons. They don't want to have energy flowing out of the high-voltage battery when the car is sitting there parked. That, would, that could lead to some very bad effects. So um, most of the time, you know, what, uh, what's happening, if the 12-volt battery is dying on you while the car is sitting there parked, it's probably because... There, there's uh, some problem somewhere, just like in a gas car, something is draining that battery and causing it to, to get run down. And if that is happening consistently time and time again, and it's discharging the, the battery too much, um, that's that can cause damage to the battery. And eventually the battery won't be able to hold a charge anymore. Um, and then you, you have to replace the battery. Um, so when the, uh, uh, when when those high voltage contactors are opened up, it the system can't charge the battery. Um, one thing you did mention was that you know there is potential for an autonomous recharge function that could wake the car up periodically, check on the 12 volt battery, and close the contacts uh, if charging is necessary, so the DC to DC converter can run. So basically, you know, every once in a while, the the whole the car will just wake itself up. See, you know, is that 12 volt? Was you know, is the 12 volt battery at 10 volts, 9 volts? Okay, I better put some juice into that. When it's done charging, then it, the the high voltage system can turn itself off. Um, uh, another manufacturer told me um, that they have uh, an auxiliary battery saver mode uh, that activates, um, and this is when the car actually when the car is running, activates a maximum of 20 minutes, um, and if the uh, if this battery saver mode, actually, this this was Hyundai. This is actually straight out of their owner's manual. If the battery saver function activates more than ten times in a row, meaning that you know if it turns on for twenty minutes and charges up the battery, and then does that t- ten times in a row because the battery is still low, then um, the system will actually stop activating, judging that there's a problem with the battery. Um, because if it, if, if after 10 times, which would be 200 minutes, you know, so about three hours, it still can't get the battery up, the 12 volt battery up to the right level, 
then it thinks it'll assume that there's something wrong with the battery and give you a, a diagnostic fault. And then um, the next time you go to cycle the ignition or you know to start the vehicle, not cycling the ignition, but next time you go start the vehicle, it'll reset and you know if the and it'll try again. Um, and if the battery is still low, you know then it'll start giving you a, a, a fault, and then you have to take it and get it checked out. But the 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 main Basically, the main reason why it's not continuously charging the batter, the twelve volt battery, is for safety reasons. There you go. And also, All that's right. why you have a battery. So, cause yeah. every, you know, everything you can't have a eight hundred volts just like blasting into your your uh, your well, everything else in the car. Yeah. All right. Um, Daryl asked, uh, this may be out of your expertise level. Uh, no, nothing's out of our expertise level. We can. We're we geniuses. Will, we'll We'll provide answers to anything. We can't guarantee that they're of any, any, any value, but we will provide you answers. Um, <laughs> when will charging ports be part of new home builds? I'm surprised it hasn't been, or at least in my area. Well, I think in California, it actually, they, they actually did change the law. And for new home builds, they do have to include um, level two charging capability. Isn't that right? Oh, I don't. I, 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 oh, sure. <laughs> I, my house was built in 1961, so I don't yeah. know what. Um, I, I think I'm pretty you know, sure for new new ones, new builds in California, they do have to include that. Good. Uh, well, you know, I think there's. I think what might have kept it um, to stop this from happening was that there was a couple. You know, you had Chatamo, you had a, you had Level One. I think everyone had to just, just sort of decide. Okay, how are we going to charge these cars? Um, and I think we've all sort of hit on CCS, you know, that, that the DC fast charging, you know, the little circle with a little oval underneath it, that, you know, it's on every car now. Um, except for Teslas. Except for Teslas. Uh, so, you know, I think that's, that's you know, once we, we got to something that everyone could agree on and something that everyone could agree would be able to, you know, we could scale up to, you know, it's, it's up to 800 volts. Um, and, you know, you could probably go higher, but I don't think you, you probably need to really at this point um, outside of maybe industrial use. Um, so yeah, I can see that. And then again, you know, it's, 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 it's not completely inexpensive, but you can still just like, you know, put a 240 on your house, throw it on a 50 well, amp and circuit. I think, and I think just, that's what they are mandating is not, not necessarily that a charger has to be installed, but there has to be a 240 volt circuit, um, somewhere either on the outside of the house or in the garage to, oh, okay. to hook up a charger to, and then you can connect whatever charger you want. Oh, that's cool. Oh, that's perfect then. Yeah. So there yeah. you go. Yeah. No, I and, think it's it's that's that's probably the the way to go for now. And I think I think more and more. I think I'm pretty that this is the case in California, and I'm pretty sure other states will be doing this in the in the next couple of years. That you know, mandating. And you know, if you're if you're getting a new car or a new, new car, a new home built. You know, if you if you're buying a a, a new built house, um, you know, that's probably one of those things now that you should. Think about you know having the builder install you know is put a two forty volt outlet at least one two forty volt outlet in your garage um you know just like you know if probably a good idea to prewire the house or you know set up the house with some conduit to run ethernet cable everywhere um you know put uh, put two forty volt outlets in the garage um just as a as a matter of course now yeah yeah even if you don't get an e v just think of all the cool things you can power from it. That's right. You can, you can power you could, some real serious tools off of that. You stuff. could run an RV off of it. 
Yeah. That's the other thing. So if you're like, ah, the hell with EVs for whatever reason, I don't know, <laughs> buy an RV and you can run your, you can have someone living in your garage or in your front yard. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, the, the next two questions um, are related. Uh, we got one email from Alan Patton. Um, says, uh, for a few years, I've noticed the trend of ever larger wheels on cars and SUVs. I don't get it. Larger wheels are heavier, leading to slower steering and possibly less feel. Sidewalls on these dubs are usually extremely thin, short, which can have jarring ride unless well damped and potholes become a potential damage causing hazards. Are these large wheels just a vanity fad that got out of hand? What's your take? Um, and Andrew Pappas asked basically the same thing. Will we see a trend to smaller wheels for better range? It's real. It's design. The designers yeah. at the automakers are like, well, people, this is what people like. Cause we tell them, you're like, you know, if you had a, you know, instead of a, a 22, if you put a 19 on here with a larger side wheel, the ride would be much better. And they're like, yeah, but people want, this is what people want. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, going back to when I was young, you know, most cars had, you know, 13 or 14 inch wheels on them. Uh, and you know, one of the reasons why they started going to, you know, larger, at least 15s or 16s, you know, which were large for that time, you know, I'm old, um, was to allow more room for bigger brakes. That was, that was one of the primary reasons originally. Uh, but it turns out, you know, most people actually liked the way they looked better. Um, and, uh, you know, now, you look at you look at most of these cars, you know, with a few exceptions. You know, I mean, there are some high performance cars that'll have like fifteen or sixteen inch brake rotors in there, and so they need, you know, nineteen or twenty inch wheels to accommodate that. Um, but you know, most cars with, with or, and trucks with twenties, you know, still have smaller brakes in there. Um, they 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 certainly don't need the space for the brakes, but it's it, it is mostly for design. It looks pretty. That's, yeah, that's really what it comes down to. And if you look at all, like if you go to any des- like uh, automotive design school, every vehicle that the designers are coming up with have these giant wheels, with these really thin, like with like <laughs> zero sidewall. Um, so, yeah, well, you know, when when <clears throat> Chevy showed us the um, the Silverado EV back in December, um, they they showed the um, the RST version, which is the high end street truck version. It's riding on twenty four inch wheels. Just it's ridiculous. Nobody needs twenty-four inch wheels. You don't. You and don't then, need. To, you know when you when you see some of these other aftermarket wheels. You know, like twenty-six, thirty-inch wheels. You know, it's just it's purely for aesthetics. You know, not not that I would necessarily agree that you know the aesthetics are good, but you know people like the way they look. It's a style thing. Yeah, it's yeah, it's definitely a, a style thing. And remember, remember. Words are hard. Uh, remember, uh, the larger sidewall, the less during your your ride is, is going to be. Yeah, and and those those wheels are also really heavy. You've got you're adding a lot more unsprung mass at the mm-hmm. corner there. So you know when you get when you hit a pothole or a bump, um, that's a lot more mass that's got to move, and so you're going to feel that a lot mm-hmm. more than you would with smaller wheels with with bigger you know taller sidewalls, um, and it you know it will it will impact. Uh, things like uh, range, you know, or fuel efficiency. Um, you know, if you look at uh, if you look at most of the uh, um, the range numbers on fueleconomy.gov for EVs, oftentimes you will see multiple different ratings for different versions of the the vehicle 
that have um, the you know the, have, the only difference is the size of the wheels. Uh, like in fact, the um, the e-tron, um, you know, you can look at that one and you can see for the standard 19-inch wheels and then a different range number for the 21-inch wheels. Same thing goes for a lot of others uh, because you do lose range with those bigger wheels. So, you know, it's it's probably I think with EVs, you know, I don't think we'll go a whole lot smaller. You know, I don't think we'll go much below 17 or 18 inches in most cases, uh, except maybe on some entry-level vehicles. But uh, you will, it may hopefully put a damper on how big they get. Yeah. And you don't need giant, for most of the EVs, you don't need giant, you know, calipers and pistons because you have so much braking coming from the the motor, from regenerative braking. Yeah. So you, yeah. The, the, another fun thing about EVs, uh, you don't ch- change the brake pads as often because the the motor's slowing you down. Yeah. All right. Uh, that's all we've got for this week. Um, thanks everybody for listening, and we'll be back next week, hopefully with Nicole joining us again. Bye. Bye. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.